Hi, I'm Joel. This is the Creativity Pulse podcast, a podcast where we dive into the cool waters of creativity and cruise around some creative thinking, evolution of ideas, and innovation that currently exists in a variety of industries and businesses, big and small. I chat with my guests about their life and business and their approach to creativity. The guests share some of their methods and techniques with us so we can try and understand how some of the more creative people around us go about being, well, exactly that, more creative. For those of you just joining us, let me explain how things work. There's a weekly episode with a guest lasting between 15 and 20 minutes. There's then a series of three episodes. They're really interesting people and my idea, initial idea anyway, of two episodes meant the episodes were getting to be a marathon of listening. There is also a takeaway with the third guest episode. This summarizes the whole conversation with some creative ideas linked in. It includes some insights to help you exercise, flex and build your creative mental muscle. You'll also find some information on the website that helps you do this. Check out the creative ideas generators, for instance. Here we are on the Creativity Pulse. We'll jump straight back into the conversation with Jason Lee. I remember being in business and uh, the the bean counters, as they were called, taking over the businesses and everybody was like, you know, you've got to go see the accountant. Like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, how are they going to understand the psychology of my, you know, my situation and my client's, you know, predicament that they're in here? Um, it's all just going to come down to numbers. My wife's been taking uh, the Finnish diploma. Uh, she was in IT and training prior to becoming a primary school teacher, of all things. And she's sort of qualified in the UK, has parts of the sort of the German system and uh, and is now finishing the, the Finnish system, no pun intended. They don't do exams there until they're 15. And they seem to have one of the highest ranked, if not the highest ranked education systems. And they just literally have done away with standardization and data. And they completely and utterly value the, the teacher's ability to assess the students. Do you think outside of, say, a, a special country, if I can call it that, like Finland, that we will ever in other parts of Europe or the United States get to that stage where you value a teacher's assessment of their students as much as you would the pie charts and of a CEO, say, for instance? Right. Uh, I don't think we have valued teachers as we have valued other professions because it is a profession. Uh, and, and even more so, this, this teacher shortage has exacerbated that issue because now we're throwing people in a classroom who have no educational background, you know, just a high school diploma, no specialized education whatsoever. And so now that's just more target uh, for the public to say, well, you know, these people who are in my classroom uh, are just, you know, not, not, not professional, not prepared. They, you know, it's, it's very strange, you know, because I, when I think of a profession, I think of doctors and lawyers and, and, when we talk about doctors and lawyers doing what they do, uh, we call them, you know, it's their practice and we don't see education in the same light. You know, it is practice. It is not 
you know, perfected. It's a constant state of practice and improvement. Um, you know, I, I, I love that some of our primary and elementary grades have moved away from, you know, percentage-based scoring and actual grades into more of a standards-based report card kind of thing where it's about mastery and not about a certain number of percent. But then it goes back to, you know, and, and even some colleges, uh, you know, here recently have done away with freshman grades. Um, I just read an article uh, about two weeks ago where some colleges are in the United States are just doing away with semester grades. Uh, I mean, freshman grades for that first year, uh, which, you know, it, it's going to take, you know, a top down getting rid of the grading uh, aspect of it to, to change some mindsets as well, because, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's an America thing, but at some point, someone, you know, some parent wants to know, well, where's my kid at? What, what number are they? You know, because if here's the problem when you take away grades is who's number one. Right. And so we, we've got, we've, we've made education and grades into this transactional, you know, relationship uh, where grades are quote unquote earned. And when you do that, you've made graded currency and that's not really what, you know, education is about. Education is about learning. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's a mindset thing. It's going to take the public, uh, you know, recognizing, you know, I would love, you know, I would love a lot of our lawmakers to just come in and, and work for a school for a week, you know, children and just to see, you know, what happens in the, the general public as well. Just please come in. You know, I, I love and applaud, you know, our volunteers who come in and work with our kids and our substitutes uh, who come in and, and care for and work with our kids, um, you know, day in and day out. But there's a lot out there, you know, those that tend to speak the loudest, you know, haven't darkened a doorstep of a school since they were in school. And a lot of their issues might come from the experiences they had. And and that is completely reasonable. You know, there, there's a lot of trauma that has come from schools and, uh, you know, with that some of our adults are carrying around. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that. But then also, you know, at some point we have to, th to think that, you know, this the school that my child is attending is not the same school that I attended. So let me, you know, let me go find out, you know, what's what what it's all about. You know, just get involved. I think there's, I can't remember what the psychology um, theory is, but there's, they talked to a bunch of parents all over the world and they said, you know, what, what's your view of the educational system? And they're like, oh, it was hopeless. And, you know, I didn't feel as if it really prepared me for anything. And, just, and they said, well, you know, listen, what we're planning on doing is literally tearing it up and starting again next year with a much revolutionized education system much more modern and the parents went well actually you know i've got a pretty good job and um i don't want my kid being a guinea pig so guess what i don't think that's a really good idea you know really okay um but so people are sort of contradicting themselves um there's also this strange psychology where they asked people they said look $25,000 a year is the average salary. You're earning 50. Do you feel happy about that? Yeah, totally. Um, you're earning $100,000 a year. 
$200,000 is the average. How do you feel about that? Horrified. You know, they're like, yeah, but you're earning four times what you did before. So we do have this sort of inbuilt ranking system in us. So do you agree that it's almost impossible to get that, you know, I want my kid to be number one as opposed to, you know, number eight? Yeah. I don't, I don't see grades going away anytime soon. Uh, it, it's in the secondary side of it. You know, I love the fact that, you know, we're focused on mastery at our earlier grades and have done away with that kind of stuff. But again, it goes back to, you know, at some point there's a test and where, you know, we look at all our, our kids, we have national, you know, norm reference tests and they are ranked uh, across the nation as, you know, in the 89th percentile or the 42nd percentile. And, and so, and, and another thing with, with all these standardized things that we give, you know, we don't involve the learners in it when they have no idea what it means. And so uh, some of the conversations we need to have is with our learners and say, you know, here's what this test is designed to measure. And, you know, here's, here's what the results look like. And here's what your results are. And here's how you can talk about your results at home, you know, with, with your parents or guardians. You know, we invite our kids in uh, for student-led conferences and they bring everything to the table. The student has a, a, a loose script to follow, but um, there will be five going on in the room at one time in a classroom. And they are talking about, you know, their performance in class, things they do well in, things they don't do so well in, goals they have, and um, standardized test scores and what they mean. And they do all the talking. The teacher's in the doorway, you know, greeting parents as they come in. But no, no school employee has anything to do with that student-led conference. It's all on the learner. And so I think... And, and again, they won't have these conversations at home with their kids because uh, it's, it's just not natural. But uh, it doesn't come up naturally at the dinner table. But um, having those kids talk about their learning and, and having their goals and, and part of that conversation is, okay, here's a goal that I have. Here's how you can help me at home. And, um, you know, here's my test scores. Here's how you can help me at home. And we even throw in, you know, some things that are not school related because, Again, this whole education thing is not just about, you know, reading and writing and arithmetic. It's, you know, I want to learn how to play the guitar or I want to learn how to shoot a three-point shot in, in basketball. You know, whatever one of the script items is, you know, what's a personal goal you have that's not related to anything at school. And so, you know, they say that and here's how you can help me, at you know, at home. Uh, and those are eye-opening conversations uh, for parents because, you know, I, there's been so many that walk out the door and say, you know, we never get to have these conversations at home. I love this. Um, and, and it also flips it around on the school because some of our school employees will say, well, these parents are never going to come. This parent, that parent, you know, they don't have any interest in this. And they show up and they're, you know, obviously proven wrong. And so uh, I think the more you get learning, uh, being the the talking point of everything we do in school, not just about doing school, not about doing work, not about grades, but about true authentic learning uh, and having the kids be a part of that process and knowing what that their, you know, their role in that is versus what the teacher's role in that is versus what whoever's at home role uh, in that is, you know, you build that community that you need to build, you know, successful future learners that we're going to need. I think that's something that 
education will always struggle to find sort of a connection with uh, finding. You can always find out what your students are interested in. Okay. Um, I'm going to use a Brazilian friend, Gutu, a friend of mine who I actually ended up surfing with for quite a while. He He's a professional musician, and he realized about six to nine months ago, uh, we were talking away, and he said, you know, look, I'm a guitarist, I'm a singer, I write, I produce, but I realize I'm sort of in charge of a business here. I market myself, sell myself, I make a huge amount of sales calls and things like that. So he's actually on a business course at the moment. And he said, I really just wish someone years ago when I was at school had sort of taught me how to connect all of that. Because he always thought, well, business and, you know, I play guitar and I sing and, you know, I want to be a musician. What's that got to do with business? You know, surely I'll have an audience out there. And he actually realizes, you know, the reason I have an audience out there is because I've worked really hard to get the audience out there. And it's got part of it is actually my guitar playing and my singing. Do you, linking that and also the sort of no degree required, I have a high school diploma and now I'm standing in front of X amount of students in a classroom. Do you think that this is added to the rise of homeschooling? It's possible. I mean, I mean there's a lot of discontent uh, with education. I also think there's a lot of misinformation being fed about what's going on in schools, especially in the United States. You know, I just... I, I tend to be very well-rounded when it comes to my news uh, and what I read and, and what I listen to and watch. You know, I just don't stick to one channel or one source. Uh, I like to hear all perspectives. And so, you know, I you, you hear a lot of, um, you know, just negativity and, and you hear this word indoctrination going on. And while that might happen in small pockets in certain classrooms, um, you know, it's not a system-wide or even a district-wide or even a school-wide initiative. It, it just, it isn't. And so, um, you know, my job is not to bring, you know, my personal opinions and values and, and whatever to the classroom. It's to bring information to the classroom and you guys work together as learners to figure it out for yourselves. And, I can have 30 kids in the room and I can have 30 different opinions and that's fine. That's okay. Uh, you know, because that's what this, this whole learning thing is, but we've really become, like I said, you know, we, we need to learn how to disagree and support our opinions and, you know, have discourse, uh, constructive discourse instead of, you know, a lot of things we do have, but instead of, you know, becoming involved in a school or having that discourse, we'll just, pull kids out and sequester them in our own little homeschool uh, area. And yeah, I can understand that some parents have no other choice, you know, when it comes to homeschooling uh, that there, there are some districts that are you know, broken and, and really aren't serving the needs of students uh, as they should. And so I, you know, and it, then again, you can talk about the housing market and, and a whole realm of other issues that, you know, make me feel the need to pull my, my child out in homeschool. Uh, here in South Georgia, it tends to be uh, more of a 
um, segregation issue at times where, um, you know, I don't want my children, you know, around these children, however you want to phrase that. Um, when in reality, uh, our biggest issue here in South Georgia is poverty. Uh, whatever your skin color doesn't matter. It's poverty and the cycle of poverty and how that relates to education. That's the, that's our single biggest issue uh, because, you know, it just, it brings with a whole lot of, uh, you know, other things that affect learning. Uh, and, and uh, some people tend to blame the address and the parents and the, a whole lot of other things, you know, on, you know, the child's ability to learn, but in reality, you know, successful schools do not alibi. They, they don't flunk students. They flunk the, the methods that they approach these students with and move on to something that does work. I remember seeing an interview with Michael Moore and, um, he'd just done a, a sort of a series on education systems around the world. And he'd been to, Finland again I'm going to use them as an example and he was sitting with some parents and you know he said oh it's a lovely house and you know um, I assume your children go to a wonderful school because of the house you live in and the Finnish guy and his wife sort of looked at each other and went you know I'm not going to do a Finnish accent but they said Michael um, all the schools in Finland are the same they have nothing to do with the area that you live in Mm -hmm. and he went what (laughs) it's just what um you know i come from the uk england and uh it is you know in order if my wife and i moved back to england we would have to stick x amount of you know tens of thousands of pounds onto our house for our daughters to go to the school that we would want them to go to um i think again it's a terrible situation where you've got young people's education being compromised by their parents ability to buy into a particular area um, probably based on their own education exactly. you know, or failing of the education system around them. Um, do you see that the United States would ever be able to sort of socialize that much in order to, you know, social as in socialism um, to get to that level where Finland, where there isn't any difference between, you know, school A, B and C. I, I, not in my lifetime. I, I don't know what it would take for it to change to that. Um, you know, we have the haves and we have the have nots. And, um, and like I said, poverty is our biggest issue when it relates to education. And so, um, you know, every child deserves, uh, you know, the best highest quality education, regardless of their address, how you solve that. And yeah, that's above my pay grade. Um, you know, I would love to wave a magic wand and have every child experience, you know, the highest quality of education there is, you know, in public education. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it takes, it's, it's going to take passion and it's going to take, you know, at some point, you know, we're not going to have any more excuses. Uh, but I, you know, I, I remember when Common Core rolled out you know, common core curriculum across the United States. And, and many saw that as a, you know, socialized effort to make education equal. Uh, 
and a lot of states, you know, dropped Common Core uh, curriculum. Uh, I know Georgia has, uh, but in reality, our our state standards are pretty close to the Common Core standards. Still are. Um, I think the um, you know Common Core was designed from the top down. Like colleges were asked, "Well, what do you need a twelfth grader?" coming into college, being able to know and do. And then backwards, 11th grade, you know, 12th grade teachers, what does an 11th grader need to be able to know and do coming to your room? And so it was well-designed. I think the implementation of it, and I think that, you know, um, maybe curriculum companies um, and their methods of getting that curriculum across may not have, you know, gone over well. Um, you know, in my mind, our standards are our curriculum. Everything else we bring to the table is a resource. My job as a as an educator is to take the standards, the what I'm supposed to teach, combine it with the who I know in the room, and design the best learning possible. And nothing in those state standards um, are about indoctrination or or anything else. It's about you know, can I solve a two-step equation? Can I read a text and analyze it and support that text with, you know, analysis with evidence? It's not anything controversial. Uh, you know, it is, you know, can I, you know, use the Pythagorean theorem to, you know, analyze the triangles, measurements and whatever. So it's, it's not anything, you know, like I said, controversial or whatever. It's just, it's just, uh, it's something that I think, Again, I haven't lived anywhere else but America, so I don't know if it's a purely American thing where, you know, it's all competitive and, you know, rank rank and and whatever else, you know, we have to be the best. Where where you know, what number is my child? You know, and and it would it would be great to see as much passion as, you know, we put into our own children to into everybody's children. You know, what what you know, I want you ask anyone what do you want for your kids education? And they'll tell you, and that list will be the same, you know, whether they make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year, the exact same things they want for their kids and their education. So why don't we provide it? Well, that's it for this week. Join us next week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?